0: Okay, first and foremost, we are not mental health professionals. We're here to
1: share our experience, but we can't give you medical advice. If you're experiencing a crisis, please reach out to a local or national resource. You can reach the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or find additional mental health resources on the ABA website. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mensana, a motion for mental health. I'm Laura. And I'm Caitlin.
0: This is a podcast dedicated to reducing stigma associated with mental health in the legal industry through weekly conversations. So, hey guys. Hey. We are super excited to be here recording our very first substantive episode. Ooh. Yeah, we, uh, last week I think we were very nervous. This week we're just like super excited. I'm definitely still nervous, but but <laughs> I think we're... we
1: sounded confident and poised. And yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, we got a lot of positive feedback. We did. Thank you guys so much. Especially because before we dive into everything, I'll just tell you guys really quick about my imposter syndrome that <laughs> I experienced. Uh, so we spent a bunch of time recording the episode. I spent about four hours editing it after we were done recording and after I was done editing it I texted Laura and I said we have to delete the whole thing we have to (laughs) re-record it it's so terrible everyone's gonna hate it like we cannot
1: publish this and I was very shocked to receive those because (laughs) I think we both left feeling like wow actually like we think that like went pretty okay like there are certain things that we forgot or that we would do better but Mostly we felt, like, really good and pumped about it, and then I went out to dinner, and I just (laughs) got this slew (laughs) of panic messages that we had to re-record, and I was like, well, shoot, okay, I'll, like, let me (laughs) see and look at my calendar to see if I can, like do it again this week and hopefully we can like release it like another week and delay a week and Caitlin was full on panic but it's I okay. I was I was um it's but okay. yeah it's, but Laura talked journey. me
0: off the off the <laughs> ledge she convinced me to publish it
1: and we got so much positive feedback so I just because, I just wanted to because start because it resonated you. with people yep you know um and I'm glad it's resonating with people and yeah once I listened to it I was like are we listening to the same podcast Caitlin did a great <laughs> job editing, and we had lots of really interesting blooper kind of moments. So I know that took a while to edit through. <laughs> but one other thing that we realized about the episode that we kind of forgot to touch on that
0: I think we probably should have is what the name of our podcast even means. So if you follow us on Instagram, you maybe already know this. We did post it on there a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago when we first made the account. But if you don't follow us on Instagram, one, you should add a for mental health. Thank you. And two, we want to let you guys know what Mensana means. So... Men'sana sauna is a play on the term mens rea. We all know what that means. From some of us know. Some remember. of us know. Laura, why don't you tell us what mens it rea means? It means a guilty
1: mind, okay? <laughs> I might have had a moment of forgetting earlier, so it's fine.
0: Listen, she doesn't <laughs> practice criminal law. She doesn't need to know it. It I mean, was who year, the other. anybody who watched
1: Legally Blonde knows what that means. That's so true. That's I a feel good point. like I'm failing at life. It's fine. <laughs> that's a good point. Um,
0: but yeah, so if you took our survey a few weeks ago, we sent out a, a market research survey when we were first thinking about this idea. We asked for suggestions, for names for the podcast, and one of the suggestions that we got was Mensana. It means a healthy mind, and we both were immediately super excited about it. Um, I think that it's the perfect bridge between the legal industry and mental health, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with this podcast. So I felt like, I think we both felt like it really captured the whole podcast in just two short words.
1: Okay, so now that we've taken care of some of the housekeeping issues, thanks for bearing with us through all the disclaimers and the housekeeping. You're
0: still listening. (laughs) You
1: are an angel. (laughs) Um, We wanted to update you um, a little bit on what our mental health journeys were looking like recently, and we're going to try to do this at the beginning of every recording, just a few minutes um, about our backgrounds and journeys so you can know where we are and um, maybe you can relate to some of it. Maybe you can't, but either way, we're going to talk it out. Yep. Um, so I think my update this week was that I've been feeling kind of a little stagnant and unsure about my mental health journey now that it's not anchored to professional therapies. Mm-hmm. So before and very recently, I was both in individual therapy and counseling for anxiety mostly, um, and also my anxiety group that I think I talked about last time. Yep. So since then, and I've changed insurance, and I made a couple shifts in, um, well, surrounded, I've made a couple shifts about what I wanted to do with my role in my anxiety group, and I decided to leave that group for now, so with those two kind of gone at similar times, I've been feeling a little bit unanchored, Um, and so I'm not planning on, this is not going to be a permanent change, I'm on the hunt for another individual therapist, but I mean, probably as some of you know who have gone to um, successful individual therapy, you get, like, attached to your person. So I'm kind of like, man, she knew all my stuff, and yeah. I have to I have to tell that all to, you know, now a stranger. And that's kind of, like, a ridiculous idea because she was a stranger before I just unloaded all of my life problems on her, right? Yeah. But there's still that hesitation of, oh my gosh, I I can't I can't bring someone up to speed like that. It's sort of like how you it's exhausting hanging out with a new person yeah. versus your best friend. Yeah.
0: So oh. I was just gonna say it's it's just like starting any new relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to go through from the very beginning to where you are now. It can take time, it's yeah. exhausting. When you're feeling overwhelmed by your anxiety, it can be daunting yeah. to do that. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure yeah. that's hard.
1: It is. And I don't <laughs> oh, but I what I know I will probably do, which is what I want to avoid doing, I want to be proactive is not wait till there's more of a mental health crisis moment. Yep, which is what I someone. did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think probably a lot of people do that when they first start searching. You're not yeah. you're not like, "You know what? I think I'll do today. Nothing's really happening with me mental health-wise, but I think I'm going to go to therapy." Yeah. No, you're sort of probably maybe mid-crisis or maybe you feel one impending and then you kind of search for one, but I don't feel impending or mid in a mental health crisis moment right now, but mm-hmm. I sort of sort of like finding like a primary care physician or a dentist, you're yeah. kind of like, yeah, you know what, eventually I want to get my teeth cleaned, so I should probably get a dentist yeah. and, you know, might not want to wait till an emergency situation and then have to go to some place you might not want to go to for mm-hmm. that care. Um, so really the past um, couple weeks has been, Like reinstilling confidence in myself that I already have and know a lot of the tools that I learned before and from therapy in my tool bag and not Mm -hmm. forgetting those things and not thinking that I'm incompetent to use them just because I don't have a touchstone every couple of weeks saying like, oh, yes, you're doing this right thing. Or have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. So it's been remembering that kind of thing and thinking about things I can do. Like I was um, writing a lot more when I was in therapy because I think I was just thinking about it more in general. So, um, this podcast actually has helped, um, bring mental health back to the forefront for me personally. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I want to do some of those things that I can do in a more solo way for sure. Awesome. And then I think my only other update was, um, I fell into a super rabbit hole with imposter syndrome. Like Uh. I make fun of Caitlin for it all the time, but it (laughs) happens to me too. I was in a, um. I was in, like, a really large board meeting that I got thrown into last minute, and I came in late, so I, and I hate being late, it freaks out my type A perfectionist yeah. self, I had to, like, I came in late, CEO was there, I had to grab a chair, it was a whole, it was fine, but, you know, it, it set it up a little abruptly, yeah. and then I didn't realize I'd be introducing myself to the board at that moment like, oh <laughs> so I don't know, I was the, like, kind of kid who always, like, when you had to, like, go around in school and introduce yourself, I would count you know, how many people would be in front of me and then like rehearse over and over just my name, because, you know, obviously I forget my name all the time. That seems like a, (laughs) you know, a fair possibility. But yeah, I just didn't love my introduction. And then afterwards I was like, oh my gosh, I sounded like such like a youthful idiot, which is the exact opposite of what I wanted to present because, you know, I'm already, you know, young. We only graduated law school in the last few years. Speaking of stigma. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, Instead of, like, fighting that and being like, oh, I've had experience in X, Y, and Z things, I was like, uh, I mean, I graduated in 2017, and I was just highlighting all the things I didn't really want to highlight. Yeah. Not that they're bad, but, like, I don't know, maybe maybe craft your elevator pitch, like, a little bit differently <laughs> now that you're in the real world. So I sat there and kind of tuned out for a solid, like, five or ten minutes instead of paying attention, just dwelling in my shame from my, you know, <sighs> poor introduction. Yeah. And Been then, there. And then I was like, well, I don't know, two other people introduced themselves during that board meeting. And I didn't even, I had no, I, I I remember their name because that's a courteous thing to do, but I wasn't sitting there psychoanalyzing what they said. I don't know. Like people don't care. You know, I I came, I came, I pulled myself out of it. And then I was like, okay, nobody's going to remember that. And maybe if you want to feel better about doing that next time, maybe have like, you know, a, a few, a few touch points in mind, Now that you're not so close to school anymore that you could bring out like it's sort of like saying, you know, maybe don't like unearth your resume from middle school when you're in law school. Like you're going to talk about things that are closer and more relevant to you. So it sort of just gave me an action item. And I was like encouraged by that instead of sitting there dwelling about things that everybody forgot already.
0: One thing I do in situations like that, because I have recently developed like extreme anxiety Mm -hmm. in rooms of professionals because Mm -hmm. I'm constantly feeling like I'm the youngest one in the room. I have the least amount of experience. I don't know what I'm talking about, even though I do know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So I will write notes in front of me and have them in front of me in those kinds of meetings. I even like attended a conference and I was in a session and I came up with a question that I wanted to ask at the end of the session. Like the morning of the session mm-hmm. like three hours before it <laughs> and I wrote it down yeah. word for word during the session so that I would remember it and it helped me feel just like a little bit more confident
1: yeah, I feel that I love writing things down I'm a queen yeah. of list which is why and we I know have that this you're, lovely outline in front of us I know you're queen of list <laughs> I we were vaguely talking about no, oh, I remember we were talking about, um, like, great guests we wanted to invite on the podcast eventually. And we were just sort of vaguely talking about it. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, we need to remember to talk about this thing, too. And Caitlin was like, I'm going to craft an agenda. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I should make an agenda for tonight. I <laughs> so, was like,
0: the agenda is we're recording a podcast episode. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you're right. Uh, so. But, yeah,
1: um, very good team.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm big on I'm right. I'm big on writing outlines and writing lists. So we do have an outline in front of us as we sit here and record this. We will probably have these outlines going forward, mm-hmm. which brings me to the next topic on our outline, which is my update on my personal journey. <laughs> so uh, as I mentioned in the last episode, I was recently prescribed Lexapro. For those of you that don't know what Lexapro is, Lexapro is an antidepressant. I started out on the lowest dose possible, five milligrams. And um, so basically over the last three to four weeks, I've just been testing out the, that five milligram dose to see if that was going to be enough to help me or if I was going to need to up the dose or try a different medication. And it's been kind of difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I have never been on an antidepressant before. I've never been on a medication that I have to take every single day. And this one is a medication that I have to take every single day.
1: And does that, like, do anything for you? Like, the fact that you're, like, taking something every day? Like, does it like feel, a placebo gu- effect? Not even that. I guess I would kind of... I don't know. I'm just thinking in, in those shoes, I would feel like maybe even more like stigma by like, oh, I have to take this. It's like more of an extreme thing that I have to yeah. take it every day or something, you know, yeah, some so silly thought like that.
0: It was definitely, well, so it was hard at first mm-hmm. in that sense. I think it was kind of a realization like, wow, I, I really have a problem here if mm-hmm. I have to take a medication every day. Yeah. But for me, I was so far down in that hole of yeah. depression that I knew what I needed I knew going into that meeting with my with my psychiatrist that that was going to be the outcome of it
1: yeah so you kind of prepped yourself yeah and, yeah and so
0: not that I was like excited but yeah it gave me a little bit of hope like okay I'm, I'm taking steps now to get better yeah to like
1: concrete like exactly. I'm doing this thing every single day to help myself yeah exactly yeah, that's a great way to frame it.
0: Yeah, and I don't—I haven't really talked about this on the podcast yet, but I've talked about it with you mm-hmm. um, before that that appointment with my psychiatrist. I had tried a couple different therapists, and I did not have luck with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they were pretty unstructured conversations, which is fine. I know it's very very helpful for people. It's exactly what we're doing <laughs> with this podcast. Yes. Like, but you want an outline? <laughs> no, uh, but. For me, I was not feeling well, and I was not coming out of those meetings with actionable things. Items, yeah. um, and 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 it didn't feel like a very clinical approach. I had one therapist immediately tell me that I have OCD. And then I had another therapist tell me that he doesn't believe in the DSM-5 and OCD and depression and anxiety aren't even necessarily real diagnoses. Interesting. Yeah, so I went from one end of the spectrum to the other, (laughs) and I was like, this is not what I, this is not helping me. This is
1: confusing me. This is giving me more anxiety. Um, It just feels like nobody knows what they're doing then if there's that. Yeah, yeah, and so I kind of had the realization
0: that as a lawyer that deals with facts and evidence and solutions every day, maybe I should try a more clinical approach. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to go to the psychiatrist. And because a psychiatrist, for for those of you who don't know, um, the difference between a therapist and a psychiatrist is a therapist is someone with a psychology degree, they're a licensed professional, they can provide talk therapy and other types of therapy, but they can't prescribe medications Whereas a psychiatrist is someone that went to medical school. They're either an MD or a DO, if, if you know what those are. Um, and they can prescribe medication. So I knew that going to the psychiatrist would be a more clinical approach. I, I had a feeling it was going to result in me getting medication because I'd been so depressed and had so much anxiety all the time. Um, so, so, so yeah, that was my very long way of t- describing to you all and to talking with Laura about how I got to the psychiatrist, how I ended up with medication, and why, for me, it felt like I was finally doing what I needed to do to get better. So it, it was overwhelming. Um, when I first started taking it, probably the first week or so, I had some pretty bad side effects. It was making me super drowsy, like very, very drowsy. And I started first taking it in the morning just because I thought it would be easier to take it like with my coffee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was not working. It was making me very drowsy. I was very distracted by like 11 a.m. So I pushed it and started taking it at night um, before bed. And that that worked. But after about two and a half weeks or so or three weeks when I went back to the psychiatrist, I just wasn't really feeling that different. Mm -hmm. I would say that my depression subsided slightly. Like I wasn't feeling as tied to my couch, or as despondent, or as lonely, or disinterested in my life, as I had been before, but I was still very anxious every day, all day, and, you know, was still not, not feeling like myself, so. And is
1: Lexapro designed, just because I don't know, to combat both, or to address, to help address both? Yeah, so it's mainly
0: an antidepressant, yeah, so it's mainly an antidepressant, um, but it also has some efficacy for anxiety. Okay. What some people end up with, and what I've talked to people about, is um, Lexapro and then an anxiety medication on top of that. If the anxiety is really overwhelming, yeah. Hopefully, I don't need to end up there. Um, I'm, I'm feeling. Why do you have some
1: stigma about taking multiple <laughs> things? <for> no, your <laughs> I mean, I just, I just.
0: Well, so to be honest, yeah, I probably yeah. do. Um, yeah. I was really nervous to start taking medication. I. Yeah intentionally avoided going to a psychiatrist for a long time because I thought that, like, taking medication meant I was sick and I was never going to get better.
1: Hmm. Um, That's interesting. I feel like a lot of people probably might feel like that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it felt like if
0: I start taking this medication now at age 27, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to get off of it. People don't get off of antidepressants, so I don't want to start now because that's the rest of my life that I'm taking this medication, which is not true. Um, Well...
1: It's interesting though, because I don't know, you think about people who like are born with congenital whatever, who are kind of like, oh, I, you know, I, I found this out when I'm 16 and I'll be taking it for the rest of my life. And I feel like people like in me too, I'm including me in this when they hear like, you'll have to be taking this for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that like weird fear is like, okay, you're going to take it for the rest of your life. Like, is it, (laughs) are you like, oh, I'm going to run out of pills or or the the world's going to run out of pills or like, is it like, dependency on something. Like, you know, maybe you go on vacation and it's a pain to refill. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I feel like there's a lot wrapped up and I hear that all the time. There's a lot wrapped up in, wow, I'm going to be on this for the rest of my life. And it feels like a death sentence or something. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. I think for me, it felt overwhelming. It felt
0: like a dependency thing. Mm -hmm. It felt like I can't be myself without this thing. medication like yeah. why can't I just get back to being myself I've lived 27 years without a medication right why can't I just get back to myself without it yeah um but I had to do some soul searching and mm-hmm. realize that like even if I have to take this tiny little pill every single day if I'm gonna feel better every single day it's worth it
1: yeah for sure it's like a point of pride yeah you know exactly. That you have to like yeah. get over somehow. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird point of pride that I think a lot of us have. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah. bizarre. It's bizarre because we don't think of other therapies designed to help us in the same way. I'm not, you know, I don't go to talk therapy and I'm like, wow, I'm going to have to do this for the rest of my life. It's yep. because like, it's not like to like a thing I'm putting in my body. That being said, like the conversations that we have in the thought work that I'm doing is also like changing my brain chemistry yeah, and like absolutely. rerouting my neural pathways. Yep. So you know, whether, whether you address some of that with like medication or therapy or any number of things or both, like, it's weird that we say this way is the weird and dependent in the bad way. And like an act of desperation or something like, you know, you must be hitting rock bottom if you have to take a pill, but other things people do to address it, if they get help in any way, I don't people don't have that same reaction to it it's interesting yeah
0: I think you're absolutely right and I actually think this is a perfect transition Mm -hmm. into our substantive topic that we want to talk about today which is stigma Um, as we've already mentioned a few times so a lot of what you just described is sort of internal ingrained thoughts that we have in our mind that we don't really know where they come from. We Mm -hmm. don't really know how they got there. We don't really know why they're there, but they're there. And I think that's a perfect definition of what stigma really is.
1: Yeah, Um, So this unchecked, unconscious bias towards certain things or against certain things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think with respect to mental health, stigma is is exactly what you just talked about it's not wanting to have to take a medication every day because you don't want to become dependent on your medication you you um don't want to have to start going to therapy because that's you know it's going to take an hour out of your week it's going to take for me anyway it's going to take some self-convincing it's going to take trusting a new person that you don't really know which is which is scary
1: it's going to have to take making excuses potentially to other people about what you're taking or what you're doing if you're not ready to talk about yet which I mean that's what people actually care about right what other people think of them yep for addressing mental health issues or for even having them in the first place. I think yep. is really where it begins. The fact that you have something means that you're different and not okay yep. and not a normal. I'm using air quotes here. <laughs> um, so that's really scary.
0: Yeah. And so I want to just back up for one minute here and talk about what is mental health. So in the legal industry and in the world in general, I think we're starting to hear a lot more people talk about mental health. I just sent you a video yesterday, Laura, mm-hmm. that was a video by, um, what is it? The national association for
1: mental, for
0: mental illnesses.
1: From, oh, NAMI, yes. me. NAMI, yes. Yeah. yes. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: it was a video all about stigma. She sends me lots
1: of videos. So. <laughs> <laughs> all day,
0: every day. Uh, But it was a video about mental health stigma. So we see these videos all the time. We hear people talking about mental health all the time. It's for sure a buzzword. Yeah, and it's becoming a buzzword. And I think that's really great because I think that's going to help us reduce the stigma. But I also think it's important for us to think about what mental health means, especially within the context of this podcast and within the context of the conversations that we're going to be having and we want you all to be having with each other and with us because it is used all the time and nobody really defines it. So... What does mental health mean to you, Lara?
1: Oh, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think of it as like a spectrum or a journey and just sort of taking care of yourself and yeah. like a holistic sense of the world. So I don't know. I think even taking care of your physical health can be mental health. And I think it's like being present and aware of yep. where you are in space and what your mind is doing and checking in with yourself. Like for me, like taking care of my mental health means probably checking in every day And not just sort of um, letting my emotions and my feelings about certain things, whether they be what I would consider, you know, a normal mental health day. Like maybe my anxiety isn't really extreme that day. Maybe I just feel more level, um, which happens. Sometimes it does not. Um, (laughs) But just being present and aware of what that means and not panicking about it. I think for me, like mental health means not letting (laughs) my anxiety snowball. So, which is, it's really easy to do sometimes. And before I thought about it consciously, before I was taking good care of my mental health, I just thought that those feelings, I don't know, that I was just had no power at all and, you know, or say and how I felt about them. But yeah, for for me, it starts with like recognition and awareness. I think
0: that's, I think it's the same for me. I think, like I've already mentioned, for a long time, I wasn't thinking about my own mental health. I, for sure, grew up with some preconceived notions that people who were depressed were just sad and not not um, dealing with it. They needed to, like, man up, for lack right. of better term. They had something
1: bad happen to them, so they were sad and yeah. they were depressed. Well, people use the term depressed, depre- you know, like, depressed is, like, an yep. adjective yeah. besides, like, the mental clinical definition of being depressed. Yep having depression.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I will say the same thing. I think it's, it's recognizing how you're feeling at different points throughout the day, recognizing if you're feeling good or not good and what's making you feel good and what's making you feel not good. And I starting to identify what anxiety feels like, what depression feels like. And if you aren't sure, talking to someone about it, which can be really, really hard to do. But I think that is how you end up becoming more mentally healthy and and ending up with that healthy mind or or mensana.
1: Okay, guys, so let's get into talking about um, stigma around mental health in the legal industry, Um, what that looks like, looks like for you, whether you be at a firm or in house, or I don't know, just even generally talking with colleagues or not talking is what usually happens. (laughs) So, um, for me, I think that, um, stigma around mental health feels like deafening silence. Mm -hmm. Um, and nobody really talking about it. So it's not as overt as, wow, this person's issues aren't valid or people talking about that in general. I think that's pretty, um, not PC to say, um, but nobody talking about it says something. And yeah. the fact that you guys have responded with the feedback you have, um, you know, happy that somebody's acknowledging it and talking about it, I think speaks volumes. Yep. So um, there yeah, are not enough w- people talking.
0: Yeah. Sorry. No, interrupt. no, you're fine. I was just going to say, I think that the positive feedback that we've gotten, that, that people are so excited about this conversation, just really demonstrates that it is so needed, especially in this industry.
1: Definitely. So I think that some feedback I received is, oh, OK, I mean, um, yeah, like glad you're getting the help you need, but like maybe you should ensure that around town. Yeah. And that's definitely. Someone actually said that to you, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were like, maybe like keep that on the down low. Um, yeah, I, ha- <laughs> I
0: had someone say to me. Oh, is it just going to be like a gripe session or like a whining session like complaining
1: millennials? about their feelings yeah as soon as I
0: said mental health and podcast and the the assumption was immediately that we were just going to be sitting here whining about (laughs) our issues which
1: I mean (laughs) we're doing a little bit of (laughs) but like that's fine that's okay let's all like whine together yeah you know that's that's totally fine like why is whining a bad thing yeah
0: I agree (laughs) we need to get it out somehow
1: yeah so I mean that wasn't great to hear and it sucks because like it seems like the individual is actually supportive as me as of me as an individual but that really just acknowledges the stigma that's out there like yes we can talk about this in very hushed private conversations but don't dare let it get out to the world that you have a quote issue Mm -hmm. and that's what it's seen as which is kind of rough and I was super offended by that and I was just sort of like well I'm going to continue talking about it because that's what I do
0: yeah and I think what's so sad about that really for me is that we've all been living with these issues for so long and believing that they were normal or not understanding that we don't have to live this way. You don't have to have all of this anxiety. You don't have to be so stressed. You don't have to be constantly overwhelmed at work or by life in general. Mm-hmm. And we've all li- been living with these feelings and, and not talking to each other about them because we didn't know that we could. We right. didn't know that it was okay. And, I mean, for a while it probably wasn't okay. Yeah. Could could really lead to some really detrimental effects in yeah. your career, and your life. So I think that was a good discussion of, of what stigma exists in the legal industry. I mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit now about what this, what this results in, what, yeah. how this manifests in the legal industry, aside from just, like, overt or implied or conversations mm-hmm. that are being Antioch's had
1: personal experience yeah i want to yeah. talk
0: about some of like the structural mm-hmm. things that we experience um so if you're listening to this podcast and you're a lawyer you've taken and passed a bar exam unless you're in wisconsin and you didn't have to take one i think it's wisconsin oh
1: god i have no idea there's
0: one state that if you go to law school there you don't have to take a bar exam you just get licensed
1: i mean you can do the apprenticeship thing in several states too true so there. Okay, most of, you most of you bar have exam. taken a bar exam, unfortunately, for you and us all. Yeah. And so when you fill out <laughs> your application to take the bar exam,
0: for most of us, there was a question that asked about mental health under the character and fitness section. Normally, this question is something along the lines of, have you received mental health treatment? Do you mm-hmm. have any current mental health conditions? Um, and I know, especially in Virginia, this was definitely something that we had when we applied for and took the bar exam in 2017. Mm-hmm. So Laura, when we talked about this before, you mentioned an effect that had on you. Do you want to yeah. talk about that?
1: Yeah. So it's only, I think one or two questions. I'm pretty sure it's only like, have you had this? If so, explain. And mm-hmm. they sort of tell you on the bar, it doesn't really matter, you know, cause as you guys know, you have to go through and report literally everything for the yeah. past decade, you know, any, speeding tickets you had oh my gosh just researching my speeding tickets over a decade was yeah (laughs) was a difficult journey yeah it takes a lot of time it does take a lot of time so we're preaching to the choir there you all know that um but so they tell you on that for character and fitness to list everything it doesn't really matter what you did or what happened you can always explain Mm -hmm. so that question popped up and I sort of like panicked because I don't even think it's funny that it caused panic because at that point, I don't think yeah I hadn't I hadn't received any professional mental health counseling, but I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And it literally deterred me. It sort of was. And I don't know for sure whether I would have gotten it right then or before I graduated or whatever. But for sure, I was like, oh, OK, well, anything that I want to look into getting professional help on mental health wise is going to have to wait. Yep. Until the bar is done and I pass caring to her fitness, which I mean, as y'all know, it's kind of a stressful time for most of us. And probably, you know, we would benefit from receiving some sort of mental health. So uh, mental health help. But I didn't do that because I didn't want yet another thing I like had to report, you know, with my roses feeding tickets um, (laughs) like as another thing to like address. And it was sort of like, oh, report it like it won't be a thing. But I don't know, like the fact that they were asking it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I think there's this thing about you know, it's it's trusted fiduciaries and like trusted advisors. It's like doctors and pilots and lawyers and a number of other professions. And, you know, it's sort of like the public doesn't want to quote, you, you. you can't have somebody who's, you know, quote, mentally incompetent mm-hmm. handling that kind of stuff. And I think the public at large agrees that, you know, our medical professionals, our attorneys, our pilots, the people who have a lot of really important matters in their hands, like they can't have something off with them because yeah. like which is kind of crazy because wouldn't you want your attorney or your mental health, or I'm sorry, your, your doctor's mental health, or, you know, uh, MDs yeah. alike, wouldn't you want them to seek counseling and help if they, yeah. if they encountered something. So it's counterintuitive and such an odd question. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who sort of maybe took a step and was like, Oh man, like I have to report that one time I got counseled and maybe y'all didn't feel that way. Maybe you're like, Oh, just another thing to report. And kudos if you guys did because yeah. that just means you have less you know stigma in your mind surrounding that and you just kind of report it just the way the same way that you would report like a heart condition on like a medical health exam. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, it's so interesting because I don't remember that question being there at all. Mm-hmm. Um I at the time was not even thinking about my mental health whatsoever. Like it was just not something I was even considering. Um so I didn't notice that question at all, but you are absolutely not the only one that has has recognized that and has had an issue with it or taken issue with it. In fact, in 2014, the uh, Department of Justice actually found that assessing fitness, assessing a lawyer's fitness based on their mental health may actually violate the ADA, mm-hmm. the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it stands for. Yeah, you're right. I hope that's what it stands for. Um, And so following that, the NCBE, which is the board that, or the organization that develops suggested questions for bar exam applications, changed their recommended question format for the mental health question, rather than just removing it, of Mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. Um, But they changed the format of it. The new question focuses on current conditions, asking applicants to disclose whether they have a current mental health condition or impairment, such as alcohol use disorder or, in quotes, nervous disorder. (laughs) In my notes, I said whatever that means, (laughs) because who doesn't have a nervous disorder? A nervous disorder, (laughs) wow. Um, But so I think that's really interesting. And actually, in response to that, I should also say that several states have actually removed the question altogether. Connecticut and Massachusetts are two of them. And then New I York. you the New York one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think New York is about to remove it as well. So so some states are moving in the right direction. But I think it's really interesting that they that the NCBE, rather than removing it in response to that DOJ finding, just changed the format of it right. to talk about current conditions, right. which
1: I don't know. I mean, how I guess that's better, right? Like, so, th- so the less we have to report, the better. But the fact that it's on there at all, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think don't it's know. still kind of crazy. I want to see the yeah. studies behind this about, like, why this is important. And I, I don't know. I'm How they came
0: up with that format. I yeah. don't know how that gets around the idea of assessing someone based on their mental health, right? Like, mm-hmm. whether you're saying your current conditions or past treatment that you've had, it's almost, it's almost, It it may almost look worse if you say that you have a current condition versus received past treatment, because if you received past treatment, you could be healed, right? You You would address the
1: issue. Check exactly, which is also implying that like (laughs) mental health is not a thing to be managed. Like, oh, just take antibiotics and it's fine. Like, get over it, kind of thing. So, I think it's a weird. If any of y'all know how these like advisory questions or recommendations are developed, yeah, I'd like to know. I'm interested. Yeah, I just think it's. I think it's
0: a little bit dangerous, right? Because imagine if you have PTSD and you are filling out that that questionnaire, that application, you mm-hmm. have to disclose that you have PTSD. PTSD can be from a range of experiences. Yeah,
1: pretty much literally anything. Right, it's but so the main
0: point is that you've experienced trauma and it's causing you difficulties, right? It's, it's having an effect on your life.
1: Yeah.
0: And... You can easily be triggered based on whatever that experience is, right. and so when you're filling out that application, one, I think the question itself could be a trigger, and two, I worry about people that suffer from P- PTSD and are they going to get called into the character and fitness board and have to g- sit through an interview right. describing their trauma what and happens? why, why do they yeah. need treatment? and what and kind of they treatment wouldn't. they're getting? Like,
1: I think that's probably an extreme case. Like, I, I think I, I, so. I sincerely doubt, like. <laughs> They're, they're dragging people in to do that. And I sort of wonder how much this question is investigated or what yeah. they're looking for. I guess what I'm interested in is I don't know if they're like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. they have like nervous disorder, alcohol thing. Um, they received treatment for this. Maybe they have PTSD about this. I wonder what they're searching for and what would be enough for them to say, oh, yeah. hey, or, you know, or do they do they enforce this? Enforce this meaning like do they question this at all? Is it kind of like a perfunctory thing? Yeah, I don't I just yeah. want to know more about it. Did we but have to disclose physical conditions? No, but like think about other professions though where you do have to disclose physical conditions. Like I'm yeah like if if you're if, lifting heavy things yes, or something. Exactly. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, you can't be like colorblind if it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like certain certain professions do have that and I think that's appropriate and fine. Yeah. And I think it might even be appropriate for lawyers to have that yeah. question. However, you need some more information behind yeah. that for this current environment, I think, where there is stigma, and I don't want it to affect people getting help or feeling like they can't yeah. talk about it or listed the shame associated with it, what you were just talking about and bringing things back up. I don't know. I don't want it to affect people either way.
0: Yeah, I think it's certainly true that it's important for lawyers to be of a sound mind mm-hmm. when they're representing their clients. Minsana. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think that... Exactly what you said. I don't think that asking this question is going to move (laughs) the bar one way or the other. And I think more importantly, if you if you want lawyers to have a sound mind, we should just be encouraging lawyers to get treatment for mental health issues that they may be experiencing rather than saying like, oh, you have to disclose this condition to us. And then we get to decide what we do with that information. Right,
1: right. And like, you know what? Maybe maybe the impetus behind this, like giving all benefits of the out, is, okay, well, if you have an, a nervous disorder or whatever it is, we encourage you to see treatment. Maybe maybe it's saying, you know, if you're already getting brought in for, you know, questions by the board, maybe it is, we want to make sure you're managing this appropriately. Yeah, et I hope that is it. I hope maybe maybe it that's is. right. I hope that's right. I hope it's more of. I think we need some of, more background information regardless. Yeah. Like maybe maybe include like a parenthetical about that yeah. or something because the or lack we could of. just information like a statistical
0: analysis. Like we're just gathering data yeah, to figure out something. how many lawyers might sure. be suffering this from, is from these things. something for issues.
1: lawyers, helping lawyers, yep. something of that nature. And like it literally could be. but the unknown part of it is the part that's a problem and you know it would probably reduce stigma if there was a little bit more information saying like it's totally fine and we encourage you to seek help I think that's a really good point so
0: it's pretty clear that stigma exists we've talked about a lot of the ways in which it exists Mm -hmm. how do we get rid of it yeah and I think the first step to getting rid of stigma is exactly what we're here doing with all of you and doing with each other and that's to start talking about it. Yep. Talk to anyone that you feel comfortable talking to about mental health. Doesn't have to be your personal mental health struggle, yeah. but it can just be like, hey, what does your law firm offer in the way of wellness benefits? Or, oh, I went to yoga and it really relaxed me. It helped me with my anxiety this week or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Just start talking about it.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have to be something that's like big or traumatic. No or personal um it would be so awesome you know for you guys to dig in deep with people I don't know maybe that's true maybe that's like not a good first date conversation (laughs) with a colleague or something you know keep it professional but
0: put it on your dating profile
1: (laughs) yeah um and if you're not ready to talk about it I think it's super important to support the people that do yeah because I don't know I don't know I sort of made like when i i think it's when i started going to my anxiety group i was like i'm gonna start talking about it to people because i'm just gonna start doing it i think it's also because i felt i didn't feel as weird going to um, my individual therapist because that was such a solo pursuit Mm -hmm. but when i went to like group um i don't know maybe it's because like more people were involved and more people knew and even though we had like you know confidentiality agreements between us i was like well these people know more people can know like yeah. People don't know about this resource. Like, yeah. And I, I think I really selfishly started talking about it to make myself feel better and to get validation yeah. from other people um, that it was okay that I was doing it.
0: Yeah, that was actually really helpful for me when, you, when I noticed that you were being so open about it. It encouraged me to be more open about it. And one thing I've actually tried doing, especially since we started this podcast, is talking about it with my colleagues Mm -hmm. so when we put that survey together our market research survey that we sent out a couple weeks ago some of you that are listening may have gotten it thank you again for filling it out if you did um I sent it to my firm group chat to all my colleagues to fill out and then since then I've been talking with my bosses about it Mm -hmm. you know um it doesn't have to be like a big conversation where you're like Sitting down with your bosses and telling them, hey, I have a lot of anxiety and mm-hmm. this is the treatment I'm getting. But just the fact that you so so I started talking to my boss and saying, I have a therapy appointment on Thursday. Yeah. Or, oh, I can't make that or I'm not available at that time because I have a therapy appointment.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, That's how I started doing it, too. professionally. Yeah.
0: Anyway. And I personally have received such great feedback from that. I cannot I, ca- I cannot stress enough how important it is to have a supportive group behind you, to have supportive colleagues, to have a supportive environment that you can share this kind of stuff with. Um, if you don't have that, I encourage you to start being that for others within your organization.
1: Because you know they have things they yeah, want to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Just create that culture. Start to create that culture in small ways.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think I think that's step one. Um we don't I don't think we have all the answers for how to get rid of stigma right now but I think that what we really want to start with is is this conversation.
1: Yeah. I think that's it's a small thing but it's actually not when you start doing it it sounds really like simple and obvious to say like oh stigma talk about it erase the stigma. Yeah. But it it does it has it had like kind of a profound effect on me personally, even if you don't so much care about like erasing mental health stigma, the the mission mm-hmm. and not like in a callous way, maybe that's not one of your like passion projects and that's yeah. totally fine. But I know that when I started like, I don't know, frankly seeking validation for me going to an anxiety group, because that was like, you know, a next step on the um, therapy life cycle. Mm-hmm. Like it made me feel a lot better about what I was doing. And then I could actually like go into a group and, pay attention to myself and group members without, I don't know, kind of like having in the back of my mind, like, Oh, this is kind of like an extreme thing that I'm doing. I'm already going to individual therapy. Now I'm going Mm -hmm. to group therapy. I have therapy all the time, you know? So I think, I think it helps you personally.
0: So we have a surprise new segment for you guys that we did not mention in our intro episode.
1: I thought of this in the shower
0: and I'm really excited about
1: it. I got an Um, all caps message. And I was like, what, what happens? What's wrong?
0: It was me being happy about my shower thoughts.
1: Okay. So on the topic of stigma,
0: we are taking back the term happy pill, happy pill, happy pill. So we know that a lot of the topics that we're going to be talking about on this podcast can get pretty deep. It can get pretty heavy, um, hard to listen to. So we wanna make sure that we are sending you guys off before your homework. We are sending you guys off with a happy thought. So I came up with the idea of happy pill, like I said, in the shower. And it's just gonna be a little dose of happiness at the end of each episode where we both tell you something good about our week or something that made us happy recently or just something positive to end the podcast on. So here is your first happy pill. My happy pill for this week is the amount of positive feedback that we've received about this podcast, without a doubt. Like I mentioned at the beginning, I've gotten, I've received so many text messages from people that I haven't talked to in a long time, that I talk to every day, that are listening, that mm-hmm. are saying we're relatable. And that was just the intro. There was nothing substantive yeah. You guys just liked it and it's amazing and we appreciate it so, so much. Like I said, you guys did your homework and you knocked it out of the park. You all get A pluses Woo! on your homework this week.
1: Validation. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So I love it. Thank you so much. What's your happy pill?
1: Um, so obviously, ditto. Super excited about the really substantive feedback we got, yep. especially. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Personally, like my quick turnaround lift out of my like shame and imposter syndrome from board meeting, like even though that happened, yeah, frankly like that happens fewer and farther between now that I feel like I'm managing my mind a lot better, which is nice. But it does still happen. Yeah. So anytime that does happen, I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I actually haven't come very far in managing my mind and managing my mental. So important not to let
0: it feel yeah. that way though so I'm really happy that you were able to talk yourself out of that
1: me too so I sort of like you know relifted myself so I was excited about that um and then yeah my happy pill for the week and I think I already said it is I'm really happy selfishly that this podcast has become a, a really frequent reminder of when to check in with myself have mm-hmm. a manage my mental health especially when I don't have that more structured professional therapy coming in so I'm very happy about that and I'm really thankful for that so thank you guys for providing us this platform and this outlet to talk about our own our own stuff here too it's it's really helpful and I hope that it encourages you guys to want to talk about your mental health and what you're going through with others because you know if anything even if it doesn't directly help anybody else it's a release yep and that feels nice
0: yes <laughs> so Yeah. All right. First, happy pill. Love it. Love it. All right. You know what time it is. All right. So the homework for this week. We are challenging you this week to talk to one other person about mental health, whether it's a friend, a family member, a complete stranger, whatever. Just talk about mental health with someone. Mm
1: -hmm. Your mental health, you know, mental health in general. Yep. You know, it could be about like, it could be more like public statistic mental health. It could be about organizations that are doing good work. Maybe you have no relation at all to your personal life with it. And maybe that's what you're comfortable with right now. Yep. So anything, really anything. Talk about it with somebody. Clearly you guys care about it. And for for some reason, whether you you care about like the mission of like improving mental health stigma or you care about it for just some personal reason. So either way, talk about it. Yep. All right, I think that's it. I think that's it. Thank you guys for listening. Please keep the feedback coming. It's been so great to hear it so far. We've tried to incorporate some suggestions you guys had. So, you know, we want you to inform what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. So please keep on doing that. Yeah, and the way
0: that you can do that is by emailing us at emotionformentalhealth at gmail.com, following us on Instagram at emotionformentalhealth,